Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Greetings, salutations, hello, welcome back to the Lightning Insider.com podcast. Eric Rowenson here from lightninginsider.com. After game two of a six-game homestand for the Tampa Bay Lightning, another Atlantic Division opponent on the schedule for this one after the overtime victory against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday. The Lightning were back in action against the Detroit Red Wings. It was the return of Derek Lalonde to the building, now the head coach of the Detroit Red Wings after spending the previous four seasons as an assistant coach with the Lightning, helping them win two Stanley Cups and reaching three straight Stanley Cup finals. It was also the first time for Jeff Blashill, now an assistant coach with Tampa Bay, to face his former team after having spent 11 seasons with the Red Wings organization including the previous seven as head coach of Detroit before basically him on the lawn swapped positions over the summer. The lawn taking over officially just after the Lightning lost in game six to uh, Colorado. And uh, Blasio was hired by Tampa Bay a short time after that move was made. So it wasn't officially a trade, but certainly those guys swapped spots, swapped jobs, if you will. Um, so it was good to see Derek Lalonde in the building tonight, although I'm sure the Lightning would have much rather have sent him out of the building with a loss as opposed to what happened because Tampa Bay did drop this game by a score of 4-2. to two. It was, <laughs> I don't know, it, it, Saturday's game was an oddity because of the lack of game flow with all the penalties that were called and the amount of five-on-five time, uh, limited five-on-five time. There's actually less. There was one full period of play plus that was at at, uh, special teams in that game against Toronto. So that was an odd game. And, And this one was an odd one, too, in the sense that the Lightning did not play well. They didn't. They did not play well, especially to start the game. And yet you looked up at the end of the first period and the advanced numbers, if you will, the scoring chances, the high danger chances, the expected goal rates, all favor Tampa Bay, which, again, I'm not sure you know, what, what the algorithm was tapping into, but it sure didn't feel as if Tampa Bay... Uh, had the better uh, run of play 
in the first as the numbers suggested because let's face it they they honestly they didn't there's no way that anybody could objectively look at that first period and say yeah you know what the lightning deserved a better fate in that period and and look they came out of it zero zero right it was a tie game and uh, Andre Vasilevsky made a few saves uh, including stopping Dominic Kubalik on a breakaway opportunity uh, but the the like the biggest um, uh, original sin for Tampa Bay in that first period was the turnovers you know it's it's something that they've done much better at and cutting down over the past month or so as they start to trend their game in the right direction and for whatever reason passes weren't connecting they were trying to put pucks into areas where there were really wasn't any space or you know the the red wings were kind of in too tight and, and taking away some of that time and space and you know putting pucks into bad areas and it just you know the again it's an arbitrary stat and you don't always take it at face value for what it is but the stat sheet showed at the end of the first period that Tampa Bay had 11 giveaways and Detroit had zero which I don't think is too inaccurate from what it was we saw take place in that first period uh, but again, 0-0 zero, zero game. So they got away with it. Their, their goalie, as we've seen them do plenty of times in the past, kept the Red Wings off the board and gave his team a chance. And second period, like this is how, you know, I wrote a story a few weeks ago on the line of Nick Paul with Steven Stamkos and Alex Kalorn on how good they've been five on five this year uh, especially defensively certainly they'd been producing offense as well but you know defensively they'd they'd probably been Tampa Bay's best line since they were put together and in the first period they were out attempted it was either 12-1 or 14-1 so that kind of gives you an idea of where some things were trending in that game and not that the first period set a tone for the game but it just it started things off on a bad note and it kind of carried over into the start of the second period because it was the Nick Paul Steven Stamkos Alex Kalorn line that was on the ice when Detroit opened the scoring as Michael Rasmussen uh, got behind Steven Stamkos had an open lane coming down the slot and beat Andre Vasilevsky. It wasn't necessarily a breakaway, but it was a clean look coming down the slot. And Detroit rightfully had the lead. And it stayed that way. It was only one nothing after two periods. And again, all the advanced numbers through two periods had Tampa Bay with more shot attempts, with more scoring chances with a higher expected rate, uh, expected goal rate, which, you know, one of those games that kind of defies the eye test a little bit. Because the eye test, you know, they put up on the, the Jumbotron, and I, and I wish we in the media had better access to these kind of numbers, this kind of stat. But it showed offensive zone time and puck possession time. And it all favored Tampa Bay not that they were dominant 
by any stretch. And I'm not saying that the numbers were so tilted and heavily in favor of Tampa because that wasn't the case. But the fact that those numbers pointed to Tampa Bay having the better run of play didn't add up to me. It didn't make sense. And yet, here they were just down a goal. You go out and win a period, you get a chance to win the game. Give yourself a chance to win the game. And what was interesting to start the third period, we haven't seen John Cooper do this in a while. He's he's mixed things up here and there from time to time. You know, you think back to the Boston game about a week and a half ago. He swapped, you know, uh, the first two lines, right? Steven Stamkos bumped up to the first line, played with Brandon Hagel and Nikita Kucherov, and Braden Point played with Nick Paul and Alex Kalorn, and it, it sort of shifted the game in Tampa Bay's favor. Well, he completely threw everything in a, into a blender in the, to start the third period. And the only the only thing that remained intact was the defensive pairing of Ian Cole and Eric Chernak. Because what we saw was Victor Hedman paired with Nick Perbix on defense, and then Mikhail Sergachev was playing with Zach Bogosian. The lines were completely discombobulated. We saw the reunion of the Wizards of Av, if you will, with Steven Stamkos. Nikita Kucherov and Vladislav Domestikov. We saw Braden Point with Anthony Sorelli and Brandon Hagel. We saw Alex Kalorn, Nick Paul, and I believe Ross Colton. And then the fourth line would have been, um, no, sorry, Maroon. Pat Maroon was still on that line with Nick Paul and Alex Kalorn. And then we saw Corey Perry playing with Pierre-Edouard Belmar and Ross Colton. So four completely different line combinations, two different defensive pairings, and whether whether that woke the team up, whether there was paint peeled off the wall, whether there was that type of a <laughs> discussion, or you know whatever took place between the second and the third period, it, it sparked something in the lightning because... They came out pushing hard. And I mean, they were pushing hard from that opening faceoff. Shift after shift after shift. The puck was in the zone. They were creating. Vili Husso was terrific, especially in the third period. And early in the third period. Because again, it's just a one-goal game. And the Lightning are pressing. They've got the puck in the offensive zone. They're creating, they're swarming the net, they're getting pucks on net. Some of the stuff that wasn't necessarily as prevalent in the first two periods, at least not on a consistent basis, but they were swarming the zone. Like it was full press. And I think what was so disheartening about that was literally, Detroit really had one shift where they spent any sort of time in the Tampa Bay zone and they score on it, right? They probably spent about 45 seconds to a minute inside the zone and you get a point shot that's deflected coming across the, you know, the, the middle slot area. And all of a sudden it's 2 nothing. 
they kept pressing, they kept pushing, they kept pressing, they kept pushing. Vili Husso again was fantastic. And it wasn't until there was about five minutes to go when the lighting got on the board and it was an extra attacker. Andre, it was an it was it was coming out of a media timeout, the final media timeout, an offensive zone faceoff, rested players. So your top guys are rested. So he pulls, John Cooper pulls the goalie, and the payoff is there. So now it's 2-1, and you feel that momentum, the things are kind of, you know, trending in Tampa Bay's direction at that point, right? They finally saw Vili Husso, and they have an opportunity to get even this game, and he felt that it was coming. It was coming. They kept pushing, and again, with an offensive zone draw, and, and look, Steven Stamkos had been money in the face-off circle all night long. All night long. The face-off was on the right side. So this this is probably what goes into John Cooper's thinking here about pulling the goalie because you like your chances of winning the face-off. So, look, I know a lot of you are going to give John Cooper heat. It's too early to pull the goalie. Oh, wait, they scored. Oh, it's still too early to pull the goalie. You can't go to the well twice. But the analytics will tell you, and you've seen this trend in the NHL, as Brian Engblom was explaining, that you know, even 10, 12, 15 years ago, you might see a goalie pull with a minute to go, especially in a one-goal game. Right, It's a two-goal game when they do it the first time. It's a one-goal game when they do it the second time. But you've seen this recent trend because the numbers will tell you that you actually have a better chance of scoring and winning the game earlier, you know, by pulling the goaltender earlier. Look, this isn't a goalie pull on the fly either. Right? This is a a face-off where you can gain control of the puck. So again, this is this is I'm sure what goes into the thought process when they decide to do this again. So they pull the goalie again. It's another 6 on 5 chance. It wasn't a clean face-off win, but they kept the puck in the zone. But like how many times is this going to happen where Adam Ernie has a puck he he gets to a puck that's in the right face-off dot and just throws it up the ice. He just threw it up the ice. That's all he did. You're talking 175 feet away, and it ends up going in the net. I mean, the the chances of that are probably less. <laughs> I, I'm sure, you know, Eric or somebody who digs into these numbers a little bit deeper than I do uh, in terms of probabilities. But I, I would venture to say that scoring... Again, almost blindly, on a 175-foot shot, even with an empty net, the probability can't be greater to score than you do with a 6-on-5 attacker. I, I could be completely off base. Never said numbers were my strength, because they're not. But that's what goes into thinking, and, 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 and you know, it ends up in the back of, of their net, and then all of a sudden now it's, it's a 3-1 game. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. They pull Vazzy again. And Braden Point makes it 3-2. So with a minute two to go and another offensive zone faceoff, they pull Vasilevsky again. They were back to a one-goal game. And Detroit gets a second empty net goal. A little bit more routine, I guess. Puck kind of popped free into the slot area. A couple of lightning players tried to swarm it and prevent it and keep it in the zone. Uh, Detroit ends up clearing it, and uh, David Perron uh, races up ice and kind of fends off uh, Nikita Kucherov at the end uh, to score an empty net goal with 23 seconds left to make it 4-2. Now, in the third period, and I haven't looked at the, the, the deep numbers, but the Lightning were credited with 30 shots on goal in the third period. I think the shots were 30-5 to five in the third and you would like to think with the offensive players that this team has that you get 30 shots on goal, you're going to score more than twice. And, and, and the funny thing is, is they didn't even score five on five. Right? Both those goals came six on five. But they put themselves in a position to try and, and pick up the two points, whether you want to debate if they earned that opportunity or not, they were in the position to do it, didn't get the job done, and look, they probably didn't deserve it, because, you know, as as great as they played in the third, with desperation and urgency, it, it wasn't there at the beginning, and in talking to both Zach Bogosian and Braden Point after the game, you know, you, you, can't, you can't start a game the way that they did and expect that you're going to have a chance to win it or expect to win it. Look, they had a chance to win it, but you can't start a game that way and expect that things are going to go your way. And it is a little surprising. I don't know if, you know, they come off that game against the Leafs on Saturday. You know, not that there was a ton of emotion put into that game, but it was it was Toronto. It was the first time they had met, and Toronto was above them in the standings. You know, and, and you're looking at the Red Wings, and let's face it, the Red Wings, you know, the last six seasons have not been a good team. I mean, the Lightning have owned this um, series really in the last seven years. I think tonight was just the fourth or fifth loss to the Red Wings since then. And remember, they're in the same division, so they play each other a little bit more go back to the 2021 season when they played each other eight times. But the Red Wings are a much different looking team. You you look at their roster and it looks nothing like last year. 
Right, I mentioned David Perron's name. Billy Huso's in net now, who had a a good season with St. Louis and was dealt to the Red Wings in the offseason. Uh, on defense, they've got three new defensemen. Olimata, who had the shot that was deflected that led to the, the second Detroit goal. Uh, ben Sherratt is back there now. Uh, Dominic Kubelik, who is their leading goal scorer right now, was brought in as a free agent. Like, there's a ton of new faces on Detroit, so I don't know if... That kind of took them by surprise a little bit, but they just they didn't look they didn't look like they were ready to to go against a team that works hard. And no matter what talent the Red Wings have had the past few seasons, they work hard and they worked hard tonight, even with all the the changes, even with a new coach behind the bench, and you, and you know. You know the players in that Red Wings locker room wanted to win this for Derek Lalonde coming back here for the first time. Just as when the Lightning are in Detroit here in a couple of weeks, they're going to want to win it for Jeff Blashill. Right? His first trip back to Little Caesars Arena after spending seven years behind the bench in Detroit. You know, so Detroit was ready to play. They were ready to, to, to kind of work hard. And they did. And the Lightning were... I don't want to say lackadaisical or anything like that. It's just their focus wasn't in the right place. Their focus wasn't zeroed in on the little things. And that's that's what happens to this team. On nights that they don't play well, it's it's generally because the focus isn't in the right place or or you know their their attention to details is not strong enough. And I think that's what happened in the first period. And again, they were 0-0 after one. So they still had a chance to rescue uh, or salvage or get back to their game. They just, they didn't do it in time. And again, that second goal in the third period was just the deflator, right? You're making that hard push, that hard push. They get one shift and it ends up in the back of the net. So not lightning hockey, not the lightning formula, not the lightning way. Gave themselves a chance, but in the end, it's not good enough. So now you turn your attention to Thursday when the Nashville Predators come into town. Of course, they beat Nashville in overtime just a couple of weeks ago at Bridgestone Arena. And uh, the disappointing part about uh, Thursday is Ryan McDonough will not be in the lineup. Ryan McDonough took a puck to the face, I believe, is the injury that he has. He's expected to miss two to four weeks for the Predators, so he will not be in the lineup. Uh, I assume he will travel with the team. It's just a one-game one trip for Nashville. So I, I think there's a good chance that McDonough will be here and in the building because I'm sure there will be a tribute video for his return as well. Uh, I anticipate that Brian Elliott probably gets the start on Thursday. You know, you've got another division opponent in on Saturday in the uh, the Florida Panthers, so I would assume Vasilevsky gets that start. And you've got Seattle and uh, Columbus to close out uh, this homestand the week after. And I would anticipate 
and we'll see what the lines look like. We'll see what, you know, the, the defensive pairings look like when we get to the morning skin on Thursday because the team will practice between now and the game. Um, but I would anticipate not that you're going to get the team that showed up in the third period, but you're definitely not going to get the team that showed up in the first period. That's what I anticipated. We've had this conversation with Bobby the Chief Taylor plenty of times and how this team, quote-unquote, self-assesses and understands. I, I think you'll get a, a little bit more of a focus group to start the game on Thursday. Not saying it's going to result in a win. I never do that, but I, I do tell you that they'll probably put themselves in a better position to win the game on Thursday, and uh, it'll be interesting. First of all, it'll be... The defensive pairings, I'll just touch on this real quick. The defensive pairings, as I wrote way back in training camp, the defense was always going to be a work in progress, and it's still a work in progress. Discussed this with Bobby the Chief Taylor on the pregame skate show leading into the game against the Red Wings because we had seen Sergachev play on the right side with Hedman. We'd seen Chernak move to a pairing with Cole. And you'd had two righties and Zach Bogosian and Nick Perbix paired together. I'm interested to see, with Perbix playing with Hedman in the third period, if they don't give that more of a look. Because I've said it before, and I've had discussions with people who see it, Nick Perbix has a lot of Anton Strawman in his game. Poised, doesn't panic, makes right reads, is a smart player. His style of game, as they try and find somebody to play with Victor Hedman, seems like it would suit Victor Hedman's game. Now, it takes a lot to get used to him. There was a play in the third period I saw where Perbix expected to step up and and get the puck just inside the defensive blue line, and Victor Hedman is three feet away from him, comes in, takes a puck, and goes, right? Like, it's, it's Victor Hedman plays the game differently than most defensemen in this league. So I'm curious to see how the pairings are going to look on Thursday ahead of that game because I don't wonder if that's some of their thought process and shaking things up in this game. There, you know, there was a, a, a moment or a, 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 a specific point in time earlier this year where Nick Perbix kind of burst onto the scene. He had that game-winning goal against Buffalo, his first career goal, you know, where he's only played, you know, a dozen games. Where basically John Cooper said, "Let's let's kind of, you know, cool the engines here a little bit on the Nick Perbix train," because he's playing well, and when he plays well, we ask questions about it, and we want to know more. You know, why is he kept coming in? And you know, so he was kind of trying to take some of the pressure off of Perbix, I think, in a lot of ways. And and not that he didn't deserve the attention or didn't want the attention. Cooper didn't want the attention on Nick Perbix. He just didn't want anybody to get ahead of themselves because it's a difficult position to learn. And Perbix is certainly older. We've had that discussion quite a bit here in the past couple of months with, with his age coming in and, and not being an 18-year-old in the league. So he's a little bit of an older player. He's, he's seen a lot of ice time in college and um, you know that kind of stuff. But, but I don't wonder if we don't see more of this because they really like their lefty-righty balance. Have that discussion many times. So this would give you a righty-lefty balance, right? If Hedman plays with Perbix, if Cole plays with Chernak, and Sergejev plays with Bogosian. Keep an eye on that. We'll have to see.
All right. Uh, as always, if you're not a subscriber to my site, use the uh, coupon code podcast, $10 off a yearly subscription. Don't forget um, pregame skate show with Bobby the Chief Taylor one hour before every game. And for home games, we are live at Cigar City Brewing Tap Room, which is out there on the plaza across from the main gate. Um, Cigar City opens at 3 on event days. Uh, I usually make my way up there around 5.30, between 5.30 and 5.40 if you want to come say hello or, you know, chat for a minute. Or if you want to take a picture with Chief, he'll take a picture with you as well. Um, So that's one hour before every game. Uh, And then Cigar City before every home game, uh, that's one hour as well. All right, as always, uh, make sure you're subscribed to this website. Share it. Let your uh, fellow Lightning fans know that it is out there. And uh, appreciate the support, and we'll talk soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.